0: Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Sunday, January 6, 2013. Today's message is, What Story Do You Want to Tell? By Pastor Albert Barg, based on Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 10. Good morning, and uh, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. I was uh, so glad that the Mayan people are wrong. I was uh, so looking forward to being with you this morning, having the opportunity to share with you, and uh, the fact that the Mayan people were wrong and we're here here is just great. <laughs> So thank you very much for the opportunity to be with you here this morning. As some of you know, I spent a little over a year with you a number of years ago. It was a season in my life where I needed a lot of encouragement, and you folks were such an encouragement to me. We just really learned to love and appreciate you. And so when Pastor Ryan called me and said, Albert, would you be willing to share in January? I said, oh, yeah, definitely. No hesitation there. So it's really good to be with you. What I want to share with you this morning is along the theme of what story do you want to tell? We're into a brand new year. I don't know what 2012 was for you, but today we're in a situation where we have the opportunity to make some decisions for 2013, which will fact, it'll be a situation where what story are you going to tell about the decisions that you make this year? Let me try to get at it this way. Some of you have read Stephen's Covey book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. In that book, he challenges the readers to to do an interesting assignment. It's a very interesting assignment. For some of you, it might sound a little bit gross. But anyway, what he does, he challenges us to go to our funeral and to ask ourselves the question, what story do you want people to tell about you at your funeral? I mean, Pastor Ryan is there. What story do you want him to tell? Your parents or your kids are there. What story do you want them to tell? Your friends are there. What story do you want them to tell? And of course, the idea being is that you take that story. And of course, we never say anything bad about people at funerals, right? So you take that, and you passionately pursue becoming that kind of a person. So what story do you want them to tell? You're here today. You're a mom what story do you want your kids to tell you're a dad You're a husband or wife maybe you're here today and you're facing a major decision the decision that you know you need to make within the next month or two maybe you never thought you'd ever be in a situation where you have to make this kind of a decision but you have to make a decision What story do you want to tell about the decision that you're going to make in the next month or so? You're in a marriage. You've been fighting a lot in the last little while. Your spouse has been pushing your buttons big time. see, the question is, what story do you want to tell about how you are responding to what is happening or not happening in your marriage? You're a single person. You're dating. Today, we know the expectation after one or two dates. You're kind of expected to sleep with that person. Someday, you're going to have kids. What story do you want to tell your kids about your dating days? You're a teenager. Some of the kids that you hang out with, they're into alcohol, drugs. You know they're making some bad decisions. But at the same time, you want to be accepted. You don't want to be a nerd or a geek or whatever word you guys use today. But what story do you want to tell your kids someday about this time in your life? You're in business. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you care about your employees. Profits are down. You need to make some decisions. Do you lay people off knowing that they have... You know, it's going to be really, really difficult for them. Or do you personally take a hit for some time until things get better? What story do you want to tell? You're in a Bible study group. They're talking about how to handle your sexuality. I mean, it's a Bible study group that talks about real issues. What story do you want to tell about how you handle your sexuality? And, of course, you know that organizations, churches, also have their story, right? This church has a story. A story of opportunities. A story of challenges. A story of successes. A story of failures, ups and downs. But the story isn't over yet. I know Pastor Ryan well enough to know that his prayer for this church is that it will continue to have a story where leaders are learning to lead, where men are being authentic men of God, where women are entering into the fullness of their femininity, where lives are being transformed. Where, See, the point is that organizations and churches also have this story, and people who are part of those churches, they get to decide what kind of story is that church going to tell. You see, every one of us, as a story here are some things that I know about the stories we tell one of the things that's interesting to me is that we have this tendency to condense huge chunks of time into just into a couple sentences ever notice that I mean think back of your high school years think of all the stuff that happened in your four for some of us maybe five years of learning I mean the cool music you listen to the competitions you won, the ups and downs of your relationships, all those fights you had with your parents, maybe for some of you, your very first kiss. Learning to drive, your first job, the holidays you took with your parents. And when you ask someone about their high school years, isn't it interesting how they'll take all those years, all that stuff that happened, and they'll kind of say, yeah, went to high school, played sports, teachers saw to touch, made some good friends. I mean, somebody asks you about your university years. Four years are heavy academic stuff, but when you tell that story, it's kind of like three or four sentences, right? Somebody asks you about your first ten years of marriage. You say, first year, awful. Took me nine years to get over my selfishness. Isn't it interesting how we can take huge chunks of time and we'll narrow them down into three or four sentences? I also know about the stories we tell that there are chunks of time, there are gaps where you hope the story never gets out. I mean, there's a lot of regret associated with that story. But here's the point. You see, as you think about your future, as you consider 2013, and maybe years after that, at some point... It will be nothing more than a story that you're going to tell. Could relate to your career, where you chose to live, your finances, a relational thing. And you see, the point is that you get to choose the story you're going to tell tomorrow. The decisions that you make today will determine the story that you will tell tomorrow. We all have a story, story filled with success, failures, ups, downs, experiences that exceeded our expectations, also disappointment. But tomorrow, assuming that there will be tomorrow, tomorrow there's going to be new opportunities, new decisions we have to make, new challenges to overcome. You see, sometimes we forget to ask the question, is the decision that I'm about to make, is the commitment that I'm about to make consistent with how I have been living with my life, or what story do I want to tell in the future? Yeah, we narrow huge chunks of time into two or three sentences. There are parts of our story that we don't want to tell, but I also know that every one of us We want to be able to tell our whole story, right? We do. I mean, we want to look into the eyes of the person and be able to tell them the whole story. Maybe it's our parents. We want to be able to look in the eyes of the person that we fell in love with, that we made a commitment to, and we want to be able to tell them the whole story. We don't have to want to lie about part of our story. And you see, the way you and I get there, the way we put ourselves in a place where we are free to tell our whole story is to remember to ask ourselves, okay, here's the opportunity, here's the challenge. I've got some difficult decisions to make, so what story do I want to tell? What story am I going to want to share someday? You see, there's a fascinating story in the Bible which kind of illustrates what I'm trying to say here this morning. It's the story that's spread over a number of chapters. It's the story of Joseph. Some of you are thinking, oh, no, not that story again. I've heard that story so many times. Tell another story, please. But just wait. You know, I was listening to a youth presentation a number of months ago, and the guy doing the presentation was doing the story of Noah. And, of course, the kids... They all knew the story of Noah, right? And so he asked them, how many of you have read or know about the story? You've read at least five times. Everybody raised their hand. How many of you read at least ten times? All the kids raised their hand. And so he says, so you guys know the story, right? And they said, yeah, we know the story. You don't have to retell the story. So he asked the question. Okay, how many of every kind did Noah take into the ark? They said two. Wrong. What was the bird that was released by Noah? Wrong. They really didn't know the story. Maybe this is a story that you've forgotten some details as well. So let me fill you in on some details. Joseph's story takes place around 1850 BC. When we're first introduced to Joseph, he's probably about 17 years old. You remember, he's the youngest of 10 brothers at this point. So he's the baby in the family. He comes from a dysfunctional family. His dad plays favorites. It's obvious to everybody in the family that Joseph's brothers, as you might expect, become jealous of Joseph. It turns into bitterness. It turns into hate. And Genesis chapter 37 tells us that one day his dad says to Joseph, Joseph, I want want you to go out and check how your brothers are doing. You see, the brothers were herding the flocks of the father. And so they're out in the country going from place to place. And so dad is kind of wondering, how are those how are your brothers doing? So he sends Joseph out to find his brothers, find out how they were doing. Genesis 37, 18 says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Now, how many of you have brothers and sisters? Any of you had a discussion like this? <laughs> About stuff that's happening in your family? I, I doubt it, okay? I mean, they're talking, we got to kill this guy. Anyway, Joseph is sent out by his dad to see how his brother's doing. Joseph gets closer. Their jealousy, their bitterness, their resentment kicks in big time. They talk through the options. They're not quite agreed as to whether or not they should kill him, and so they throw him in this dried-up well, gives him a little more time to think about what we should do with this guy, they strip him of this coat, the coat that symbolized everything that was wrong about what was happening in this family. That night as they're having dinner, a caravan comes along, heading down to Egypt, and Judah, one of the brothers, comes up with an idea. Basically, he says, you know, guys, there is no point in killing Joseph. We have nothing to gain by killing Joseph. I mean, we don't want the guilt of murder on our hands for the rest of our life. Why don't we just sell him? And so they sell him. They take the coat, sprinkle it with blood, go home, tell dad, we found this coat. It's all full of blood. Obviously, the animals got to Joseph. Folks, remember, everybody has a story. Joseph is sold to these traders. They take him down to Egypt where he's put on the slave auction block. He's bought by a man by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar is one of Pharaoh's officials. And you see, now Joseph has a decision to make, a decision to make that he thought he would never, ever have to make. Sometimes you and I, we find ourselves in these kind of situations, don't we? We're in a situation where we have to make a decision that we thought we would never, ever have to make. For Joseph, it's, how do I respond to, first of all, being kidnapped by my brothers, being sold as a slave, be taken to a place I never want to go, I don't think I'll ever get home again. You see, what do you do with that? What story are you going to tell about that particular time in your life? Well, Joseph does something that few of us do. Joseph, he decides he's not going to play the victim game. He's not going to have a self-pity party. Even though he doesn't understand a lot of what's going on, he accepts this as part of God's plan for his life. And so he responds to the best of his ability. He does his best as a slave. He sees himself more in terms of serving God than actually serving Potiphar. It's like he knows, you know, someday I'm going to have to tell a story about this time in my life. And so he seems to be very concerned about the story he's going to tell. Anyway, in time, Potiphar recognizes Joseph's skills and his abilities, puts him in trust of everything, puts him in charge of everything. At this point, we would say, hey, Joseph's got it pretty good, doesn't he? I mean, considering where he's come from. He's still a slave. He can't go back home, but at least he's alive. He has restrictions, but he's not in a dungeon anymore. He's not somewhere along the Nile River with a back-breaking kind of job. I mean, for someone who grew up in a dysfunctional home, kidnapped by his brothers, sold like a piece of property, put on an auction block as a slave, for a guy who's been treated the way that he's been treated, I mean, things are pretty good, right? At this point, the story he'd be telling someday is, yeah, maybe What's going on doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it's not all that bad. And just as things are kind of looked up for Joseph, again, he finds himself in a situation that he never thought he would ever find himself in. He's forced to make a huge decision. It's not a win-win kind of decision. It's a lose-lose kind of decision. But folks, here's what I want you to hear today. As Joseph makes this decision, he gives us an insight into the importance of asking the question, what story do you want to tell? Verse 6 of the chapter we read, Genesis 39. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. So Joseph, he's kind of running the show. Verse 6 continues. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. You kind of read that and you kind of feel, oh, we're being set up for something here, right? Verse 7. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Now, folks, let's not read into here what's not here. We don't know anything about what she looked like. Okay? We assume, because of the kind of movies that we've watched, that she's probably some kind of a knockout. We kind of think, of how could Joseph resist, right? Neither do we know anything about her age. We don't know. All we know is that Joseph is maybe 18, 19 years old. Sexually, he's pretty much at his prime. His bosses are Potiphar's wife, wants him to give, him his mas- give her his masculinity. But folks, here's what's so cool. You see, at this point, Joseph applies the question, what story do I want to tell? We know from verse 10 that she was a persistent cougar. I mean, we don't know how many times she begged Joseph to join her in bed. But you see, all the way through, Joseph is faced with a decision. He has a choice. Here are my options. Let's see now. If I go for it, eventually... Probably be discovered. She'll probably, within time, look for another dude to conquer. Is that the story you want to tell? Or is it a story of, if I don't go for it, if I reject her advances, she's going to be embarrassed. She's going to be ticked with me. She basically has control of what happens or does not happen to me. You See, it's kind of a lose-lose situation. Well, she begs, and she begs. eventually they have this conversation. And it's interesting in this conversation how Joseph gets to rehearse his story. Verse 8. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in this entire household. In other words, I came to your house as a slave. Your husband bought me on the auction block. I came in. Your husband learned to trust me. He's put me in charge of everything. His only worry is what he's going to eat. Verse 9, no one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. In other words, lady, you have a story to tell too. The decisions you and I are going to make today become a permanent part of our story. What story do you want to tell? And then Joseph asks a question that's so relevant for every one of us as a follower of Jesus Christ. He says, verse 9, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. In other words, in the light of everything that God has done for me, in light of the fact that God has been so faithful to me, I mean, he rescued me, he gave me an opportunity to serve you and your husband, in light of that, how could I sin against God? How could I do such a wicked thing? Lady understand to do such a thing would not be consistent with the story that I have lived, would not be consistent with the story that I want to tell in the future. And I don't want to have to lie about my future. I don't know what you're facing today, but you need to ask the question, what story do I want to tell? Because every decision that you make today, as complicated, as difficult as that decision may be, that decision will become part of your story. So what story do you want to tell? Well, Joseph didn't know it, but he's going to have the opportunity to tell his story a number of other times. And this cougar lady frames Joseph. She cries rape. Potiphar, who would normally put a guy like this to death, for some particular reason chooses not to put him to death, puts him in prison. Maybe Potiphar's wife had done something like this before and so he really doesn't trust his wife anymore. We don't know. While Joseph's in prison, he meets a couple guys who also have their story. But now they have a dream. Joseph interprets their dreams for them. In the process, he gets to tell his story. He was kidnapped by his brothers. He was sold by, uh, to a group of guys going down to Egypt. He was bought by Potiphar. He became a slave. He was set up, accused of rape, but I'm innocent. I did nothing wrong. I don't have to lie about anything in my story. And then he says to them after interpreting their dream, if you guys can help me out of here, please, please do. I would really appreciate it. Two years go by. Pharaoh has a dream. One of the guys in prison remembers, oh, yeah, there was a Joseph guy in prison who interpreted my dream. Maybe he can help you, Pharaoh. So they go get Joseph, clean him up. He comes to Pharaoh, tells Pharaoh his story, kidnapped kidnapped by his brothers, sold to a group of slave traders going down to Egypt, bought by Potiphar, set up, accused of rape, but I'm innocent. I did nothing wrong. I don't have to lie about anything in my story. Pharaoh, I will help you if I can. And what happens? Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. He's promoted, becomes prime minister of Egypt. And God uses him to save the nation of Egypt and ultimately his own family. Now, the other interesting thing in this story is, you see, Joseph's brothers... They also had a story to tell, didn't they? We had a younger brother named Joseph. We hated our younger brother. We were jealous of him, and eventually our jealousy got the better of us. And one day around the campfire, we decided, well, we're not going to kill him, we're just going to sell him. So we sold him as a slave. We thought, thank goodness, he's gone. He's gone for good, gone forever. We made up a story to tell Dad. We lied to Dad. We broke his heart. We thought we had pulled it off. We thought we would never get caught. We lived a lie for 15 years. Every night we would come to the dinner table and Dad would have that empty chair there. Each year when Joseph's birthday come along, dad would go into a deep sadness. And when our kids would ask us, why is grandpa so sad? We, we wanted to tell our kids that they should never opt for anything that would make them a liar for life. But we couldn't because what if they asked us why that principle is so important to them? Then we would have to lie again. We really did want them to know that that, you know, never to choose anything, whether it's pleasure, whether it's profits, whether it's sex outside of marriage, whether it's getting back at someone, don't choose anything that's going to make you a liar for life. You see, Joseph's brothers lived a lie for fifteen years. Not just a moment, not just a week, not just a month. Fifteen years. Every person has a story. What story do you want to tell? Most of us know that for Joseph, the story doesn't end there. There's a famine. Joseph's family hears about there's food back in Egypt. They don't know what has happened in Egypt. They don't know that Joseph has become in charge of distributing the food. They have no idea they come down to egypt the brothers joseph recognizes them and you see now joseph has another decision to make a decision that he would never ever thought he would have to make what do you do with brothers who sold you as a slave now that you have the power to do something about it what do you do with these conniving lying Father, heartbreaking brothers, now that you have the power to get back at them, which option is consistent with the story that I want to tell? Joseph had options, didn't he? Story number one would be, I was in charge. I was prime minister of Egypt. I got revenge. Her. Story number two, I was in charge. I was prime minister of Egypt. I could have treated them the way they treated me, but I chose to treat them the way God has treated me. That's the story that I want to make as a permanent part of my story. Folks, what's your story so far? What's the story that you want to tell? it's a question that we need to come back to again and again i mean every one of us we want to be able to tell the whole story right none of us want to lie about our story that's why this question is so important another reason why it's so important is because your story is either going to inspire motivate others to greatness or maybe to hang in there when times are really tough or your story is going to have gaps. You're here this morning, you're a single person. Listen, your story of singleness is going to be somebody else's story as well if you choose to get married. Because when you marry, your story becomes their story. And that's why it's so important, so important what you do today matters. It really does. You're a teenager here. You're trying to figure out your direction for life. I mean, what story do you want to tell someday? I made a lot of money or a story. I didn't make a lot of money but I just surrendered myself to God and I've seen God do some incredible things through my life. It's just been so exciting. What story do you want to tell? Some of you here have accepted Jesus Christ maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. You invited him to take control of your life. He's given you a certain personality, gifts, passions talents. You're one of the people that Jesus talks about in that parable that he told, the parable of the talents. Chris referred to it this morning. Remember that story, the five-talent guy, the two-talent guy, and the one-talent guy? The five-talent guy and the two-talent guy, here's their story. We received, we took, We maximized the potential of what we were given. And we were so thrilled to go back to our master and say, here it is, plus, plus, plus. And to hear our master say, enter into the joy of your master. The one talent guy, here's his story. I took, I played it safe. I hid it. I lost it. I ended up in a dark, dark place. So folks, you and I, we have to decide. You see, we don't get to decide what happens to us, but we do get to decide how we're going to respond. We get to decide what kind of a story are we going to tell, which means some of us have some decisions to make today don't we we have some decisions to make maybe for some of us it relates to our marriage had a fella just call me this week we talked for a while he said to me albert i wish i would have listened when you preached that series on marriage just a little while ago because he and his wife just split I wish I had. I wish I had. Maybe your marriage is kind of going south. You've got some decisions to make because you don't want your story to sound like my friend's story. Maybe it's an integrity issue. You've done something. I mean, you hope, you've got your fingers crossed that it will never, ever get out. You've got some decisions to make. You're single. You're dating. Maybe you've crossed some boundaries. You're a teenager. The kids you're hanging out with, not good, not good. What's been happening between you and your mom and dad, not good. What's been happening between you and your girlfriend, boyfriends, not good you know there are parts of your story that you hope will never get out. Listen, we have some decisions to make, don't we? So let me encourage you. Write a good story. Write a God-honoring story. Tell a God-honoring story. It's a decision that when you get to the end of 2013, you'll never regret making those kind of decisions. God bless you.